Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi. I recently completed my two-month transformational leadership program and the results were powerful. If you want to live an exciting life and fulfill your highest potential in 2023 and beyond, I have an incredible opportunity for only a few more individuals to join the next cohort. I will personally be coaching a small group on how to discover and clear your limiting beliefs, how to manage your energy instead of your time, how to tap into the power of your intuition, and how to use discernment so that you can start living a life full of ease, abundance, and flow. As someone who has helped countless entrepreneurs and CEOs open doors of possibility they never thought existed, I can tell you that this strategy will completely transform your life. Best part, you'll 10X your output and unlock your creative genius. I'll work with you weekly to overcome your limiting beliefs and transform that into a new self-concept. I'll teach you how to create clarity, systems and processes, and I'll also help you develop your intuition. You'll get access to some of the best material that will also help you manage your energy, and you'll get access to guided meditations that are not available anywhere else. This method is so effective. If you'd like to join the waitlist, you can find the link in the show notes or navigate to www.yasmintarehi.com backslash gateways hyphen to hyphen awakening backslash. Hi, my name is Yasmin Turehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today's episode is with Glodine Champion. Glodine is a keynote speaker, author of the novel Salmon Croquette, and she's a transformational leader who specializes in personal growth, leadership development, team building and diversity, equity and inclusion. She's also a Six Sigma black belt and draws on her extensive background in leadership, process improvement, communication, and education in strengthening leaders and building agile teams. We recently met at this incredible transformational leadership conference a couple weekends ago and dropped in and I just knew that I had to have her on the show. So welcome to the show, Glodine. Thank you so much for having me, Yasmin. So Glodine, can you tell us what does leading with love mean to you? Leading with love means that everything you do is about making sure your people have what they need to be successful, that you give them credit for the work that they do. You give them gratitude and appreciation. You allow them to speak their truth, even when that truth may be um, corrective feedback. Um, Because I feel like leaders who can't hear how they're showing up in a way that is detrimental to their employees, shouldn't be leaders and just creating a, creating a safe space by, um, you know, again, letting people speak their truth and, um, and be who they are. Right. And, you know, I want to dig into that because you talk about getting real and, you know, what does that really mean to you? You know, do people, oftentimes even know if they're showing up as real and authentic. Um, How have you dealt with these circumstances? I feel like authenticity is performative. 
it's it's like you know the latest catchphrase, if you will. So the word itself and the act behind it doesn't have the same uh, meaning to me that it used to. Uh, getting real is a whole other act. Getting real is the combination of being vulnerable, being courageous, being honest and forthright. Um, and you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do, like to, to tell someone how you feel, um, there's a way to do it. So I think that also in the space of getting real, uh, includes loving kindness, because one of the, one of the things that I'm noticing is in the work that I do, I have to do a lot of listening. And sometimes people say some really crazy stuff to me, but I believe that if that is someone's truth, they need they need to be allowed to say their truth, and then we can go from there, right? If I shut them down, then there's no possibility for opening a mind or changing changing a mind or opening a heart or anything like that, right? It just it creates this negative space where then we're in I'm right, you're wrong, and everybody's ready to fight as opposed to just genuine genuinely have um, a conversation so we can come to some level of understanding. Right, right. And I also, you know, it's so interesting, um, this this concept of fully listening, fully leaning in and allowing people to be themselves, because I do think that there's so much self-censorship happening and, um, you know, the polarities that we're in right now, there's a lot of people who are just not interested in listening to different points of view. And so I find that to be a really powerful uh uh, place to be, you know, in this in this place of listening, allowing people to be their fully expressed self, um, even if you might disagree with that. So, how do you go from there, Claudine? How do you engage with people who have very different points of view and allow them to be real, and then move out of these places that might create, you know, some tension or conflict, uh, and move towards a place where there could be some common understanding? Interestingly enough, I have a great example of that. I uh, hosted what I hope to be one of many, many uh, conversations across the country. Uh, let's talk about love. Monterey. It started in Monterey, where I live. And uh, someone was there who announced that he was a Republican. And I you know, jokingly ribbed him because I figured most of the people in the room were Democrats. But I welcomed welcomed him for being there, and I told him that every everybody needs to be a part of this conversation. Um, and so, one of the exercises I had them do was to basically take themselves out of their shoes and try on some new shoes, and and then everybody had to share how that was for them. And he, he volunteered to go first, and he came up to the front of the room, and he was. He was initially talking as if he was disconnected from the exercise. It felt like he was just talking. But the more he talked, because again, I just gave him space to talk. The more he talked, he started to get real. Like he admitted that he was a bully growing up and that that it was hard for him to answer the questions about one of the one of the parts of the exercise was for them to say what their what they thought this this person this new persona they were wearing what their experience was in high school and the reason that he was talking as if he was disconnected is because he was a bully in high school and the more he started talking about his behavior in high school 
he started thinking about how his behavior could have affected the person the persona that he had there were there were probably girls he said at that at his school that he bullied that he's now having to think about how that might have affected them and then he admitted to being an a-hole as an adult and i just again gave him space to talk and the more he talked the more self-reflective he became and so at the end of the event he thanked me profusely um so again i think it's giving people whether you like what they're saying or not, that's that's the biggest thing. We don't have to like somebody else's opinion. We don't even have to agree with it. We just need to give them space to, to say how they feel. Because sometimes when you give people space to say how they feel and you shut up and let them talk, they hear themselves. Like right now, there's so much noise, especially in the political space, that people don't hear themselves. And the more you let someone talk, like I said, they hear what they're saying, or they feel what they're saying, one or the other, right? And then it's like just giving people room, giving people room. That's it. That's the long and the short of it. Don't need mm. to be right or wrong, good or bad. Just let them, let them let them say their piece, and then you know, ask intelligent questions that leave room for for conversation and don't shut people down. So uh, you know, I think what was so interesting about this persona flip uh, exercise that you do is being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And that's what we did during your workshop at the organization um, that we're both a part of. You had asked us all to sort of get into spaces where we had very different socioeconomic experiences and put on like the sort of the state or the the feeling, the persona of of another person. And it was really a great exercise uh, because especially if you were very far removed from that socioeconomic experience, you know, you really got a chance to see um, different aspects of your your perspective, right, come out. Um, so I, I want to talk about your mom, Glodine, and just how important your mom has been in the experience of becoming authentic and becoming your most authentic self, and especially the stories <laughs> that you shared with us at the the workshop. Um, my mother was wow. Um, I can't, I can't even, um, I can't even say it. It'll be 26 years that she's been gone on November 26th. Her birthday is on Halloween and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I can do to honor her this year in a really big way, because everything that she taught me has led me to the work that I'm doing, prepared me for, for my life purpose, which is amazing when I think about it. But my mom grew up on the South side of Chicago. She was born in 1924. Um, she had three siblings, so it was four of them, and they were poor. Um, I mean, you know, by those standards, my grandfather worked at a, a hotel, but he had, he was the only one working and feeding uh, six people. Um, so she left Chicago in 1965 and moved to L.A., and she wanted a child, and she couldn't get, have a child by birth. And so she um, went to the L.A. Adoption Bureau and as fate would have it, because I I firmly believe that I was born so I could be Francis Champion's daughter. Like, there is no question. Um, The L.A. Adoption Bureau was doing a project 
and uh, they were allowing single black um, uh, parents um, to adopt. And so 29 women, one man, and my mother was one of those women. And I think that because she got what she so desperately wanted, she decided that she would raise me with intention. Nothing that she did was by chance. In fact, she told me when when she told me I was adopted, um, and I didn't. It wasn't a secret, so I would tell the kids at school. And, and one day they I'm really let me have it um, about my mother being so much older. She was forty two when she adopted me, and they were calling her my grandmother and all sorts of mean things. And <laughs> I went home crying, and my mother asked me what happened. And I told her, and she said, the next time those hooligans say anything to you like that, you tell them at least I'm by choice, not by chance. Um, (laughs) That was my foundation. I am by choice, not by chance. Um, It wasn't until I got older that I added, you know, that that critic in my head added. But before that, I wasn't wanted. But was totally untrue, right? Because now I get it. I wasn't supposed to be... um, my birth parents' child. I was supposed to be my mother's child. So she made sure that I knew I belonged anywhere I wanted to be or could afford to be, that my money spends green just like anybody else's. Um, she was she was serious about holding me accountable. So if I did something, she wasn't that parent. Like you see parents in the store and they continuously saying, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop. No, my mother, if she said it once, if I didn't stop, there were immediate consequences. Um, not that she would like beat me in the store or anything like that, but, but she got her point across. And she also made me ask for what I wanted. Um, I remember a time when I was kind of hemming and hawing, about something I wanted, and she acted like she couldn't hear me. And I kept saying, Can, do you hear what I'm saying? And she said, yeah, I hear you trying to beat around the bush. Tell me what you want. And I said it kind of in a meek, you know, like I wasn't sure if that was what I really wanted. She said, it doesn't sound to me like you want it. So she made me just say it directly. Can I have, I can't remember what it was. It might have been a doll or something. Um, she made me say it directly, like, can I have this thing? Um, and why do you deserve it? And I told her and she said, yes. And I was like, Oh, that was easier than all the other nonsense I was trying to do. (laughs) Um, so it, 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 it just made me very like, there's nothing anyone can do or say that would embarrass me more than what my mother would do. when I was in high school. (laughs) So I didn't get bullied. I was taller than everybody else. But I also realized like, if people like you, like if you just, if you just show up the way you are and you're willing to laugh at yourself and you don't poke fun at other people and you're kind, then they don't bother you. And so I was, I was popular in high school when I should have been the band nerd. Like I was completely, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I stood out like a sore thumb, but the kids liked me and that could have gone a whole different way. And I think a lot of it just had to do with my mother making, making me be who I am and being comfortable in my skin. When I was in eighth grade, she bought me these ugly, cow- oh my God, the worst cowboy boots in the world. They were men's cowboy boots, like the kind that men wear when they're true, working on a, a farm, <laughs> cowboy boots. 
Um, and I had to wear them every day at school and the kids harassed me. Oh my God, to death. They harassed me. Um, and then, and I would complain to my mother, like, these are the so ugly. Can't you buy me some more shoes? And she was like, nope. And the more you wear them, the stronger, and the more those kids um, talk about you, the stronger you'll get. And she was right. It got to a point where I was like, I didn't even, it was just background noise. I didn't hear it anymore. But it made me realize I didn't want to look like everybody else. I didn't want to dress like everybody else. By high school, I created my own style. It changed every year. Um, but it wasn't like I I think I had a period where uh, I wanted to look not like everyone else, but I wanted to have new clothes. Um, I don't know how to I don't know. It wasn't it was like stylish, more stylish clothes. Um, but that was because I was being influenced by by a friend of mine. And my mother told me that person wasn't my friend to begin with, which I quickly learned. And so then I just got comfortable creating my own sense of style and and living in it. Um, and my mother lost her job when I was in my senior year of high school. So then it was like really important that I didn't give her a reason to have to spend money on clothes for me. Um, I, I don't know. My I don't even, <laughs> I could talk all day about my mother <laughs> and her influence and the things that she did to um, help me be comfortable in my skin. And I think, I know that that's one of the hardest things. I know grown people who still aren't comfortable in their skin and they're still living for somebody else's um, acceptance or permission and, and having given themselves permission to accept who they are. It's, it's really, Mm. it's really interesting um, for, for a woman who, you know, didn't have a college degree and all, all the things that people say make you successful. My mother was successful. She was brilliant without all of that, her life Mm. experience and her intention um, made herself like I'd call her a scholar of mothers. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing, Glodine. I want to like dig into this because I just think it's so sweet to hear your reflections on your um, kind of like your relationship with your mom, but also the all the ways that she really encouraged you to be yourself and to be Glodine. Um, and I'd love to know, like, what are some like practical tips and advice that you could give people listening, you know, to start living authentically and to be their most kind of genuine self? Like, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to start by standing in the mirror and looking at themselves until they got really uncomfortable. And then in that discomfort, look at themselves deeper until they could say, I love you just the way you are with all the flaws or whatever, whatever those things are that people keep, keep hidden. That's part of what sends people sideways, right? Is because they're so busy creating this persona of who they are that they've forgotten who they really are and getting comfortable with that, like getting comfortable in that uncomfortable place of, you know, whatever the thing is that they're not willing to show the world, um, it makes it easier to just accept that this is who I am. Like, you know, I turned 46 and I gained weight and I've lost weight and I've gained weight again and I've lost weight. And then menopause came and all the things that come along with menopause, um, made me forget kind of for a second that I should love myself. Um, 
And so I had to, I had to do that, but I, you know, in order for me to be back to where I was, cause I, I feel like I lost myself after my mother died um, in 96. I had periods of times when I was fully myself and I had periods of time where I was so depressed and so sad that the one person in the world who would give it to me straight, the one person in the world who supported me and, um, you know, that I could crawl up in bed with her no matter what, that, that kind of safety net um, support system was gone. So uh, I spun out <laughs> for a little while, but I got back to myself when I realized that the thing that's going to help me move forward is to just embrace myself, love myself, because I can't, none of us can love anyone else if we don't love ourselves. Amen. Amen. And Goldine, I mean, what would your mother say to you today if she saw the way that you have delivered yourself into this world and done so much great work um, on leading with authenticity and love and being real and, and coaching so many people? What, would, what, what do you think she would say to you? <laughs> <laughs> she would say, Pootsie, that was her nickname for me. Pootsie, I'm so proud of you. You are finally using your head for something other than a hat rack. (laughs) (laughs) That was our favorite thing to say. Like if I did something dumb or didn't think she'd be like, use your head for something other than a hat rack. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So, um, or she might, she might just say that she's, um, she's proud of the fact that, that I, kept living and I get it. Like I used to go to her when people would do things or say things to me that I thought were disrespectful or whatever. This is when I was working in corporate America. And I would ask, why are people like that? And she would say, keep living. And I understand that. When she would say it to me, I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I have no choice but to keep living. But I understand that that statement is bigger than than those words strung together, right? Mm, it's right. keep living and pay attention to what's going on around you. And um observe and recognize and use these things to grow from. So I think that uh, she might, she might say something like that too. Mm. So Glodine, I want to talk a little bit about some of the ways that you coach people and some of the work that you do. Can you share a couple examples of the ways that you help teams, organizations, and individuals connect more deeply with themselves? Yes. I love this work. I love this work. Like, um, one of the one, and I, again, like I said, everything that I did up till every job I've had, every experience I've had helped me realize that the one thing people need is to be heard and to be seen. Right. And so, um, when I'm working with teams, the first thing I help them do is see themselves because you got to start with self. Right. Um, so um, I'm always coming up with new exercises. One of the exercises that um, I do, you, you guys experienced at our retreat when we met the the mirrored cardstock. Um, I have people look in the in this you know <laughs> what should be a mirror. It's just a piece of paper with the mirroring over it. I have them sit and look at each other. They're in pairs, and each person is. One person is holding up the mirror, the other person is sitting there, and they have to sit there again until they're uncomfortable in that space. 
and then moving through the discomfort, talking about how it feels. Because I think one of again one of the hardest things for people to do is be is be real. We all have some kind of um, weapon or armor up, right? We can't show people. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to look weak. We don't want to look, you know, whatever that thing is. But that's all. That's all BS, right? The the beauty in interpersonal relationships is recognizing when you're uncomfortable. That's that's where we go sideways is when we get uncomfortable. That's when the ego takes over. And now we're not really even communicating. So I have them, one person hold the mirror and the other person sit and look at it and talk about how it makes them feel. Even if they say this is dumb, whatever they're feeling and thinking, just say it out loud. And the more you do that, the more comfortable they get. Like some people start off like, this is dumb. You know, I can't even see myself in this mirror. It's like, I look like a, um, what is that um, mirror the uh, at the carnival? <laughs> I look like I'm, a, at, I'm yes, looking in a carnival mirror, whatever those things are. And then it <laughs> becomes, I don't really like this. And then it becomes more, you know, I, I have the person that's holding it ask questions. Like what part of this makes you feel, you know, uncomfortable? And then they start to have a conversation. And then once I see that people are like talking to each other through these, these, um, the cardstock, I have them take the mirrored cardstock down and now let's have a conversation. What's something that, you know, in your life you felt uncomfortable or you felt like you didn't matter? Because now we can have that conversation because that kind of stuff is what comes up in the workplace. When people have grown up and felt like they didn't matter or their voices weren't heard or they were silenced for whatever reason, they create a persona in the workplace that is not true to who they are. It's like, again, it's a defense mechanism. So the minute they get triggered, they're responding to that, that, that thing that happened 20 years ago and not to what's happening in front of them right now. Um, so anyway, that, uh, that's, that's one of the things that I do. The other is um, I teach a communication workshop and I help people understand what communication is really about. Uh, there should be more listening and less talking. Like if someone's talking to you, you shouldn't be thinking about what you're going to say in response. You should just be listening. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday who said that I told her, she, she asked me for feedback and I told her that she needs to practice actively listening because she's not a good listener. And she asked me what a good listener looks like. And I, she said, sometimes I'm processing. I said, well, if you're processing, you're not listening. You're thinking about how you're feeling about what you just heard. And that is not listening. Listening is turning all that noise in your head off so you can hear what someone's saying to you. Um, so again, that's an, another exercise that I help people um, go through. When I'm coaching people, it's different because I'm the one listening. And I used to be the coach that felt it was necessary to tell people what their next step should be. I have now learned that guiding people toward what's important for them, they will figure out their next step. And then my job is to kind of um, put some, some support around those steps so that they can take them on their own. Uh, 
So it's I, I feel like I get to play two different parts. One is to encourage, well, all of it is about encouraging and inspiring and getting people to do the thing that they most fear. And most of the time that's using their voice. Um, I just got off of a, a coaching call today and the, <laughs> my client thanked me profusely because she just got promoted. And she said that she wouldn't have had the courage to even ask for what she wanted if she hadn't been working with me. So, you know, uh, I don't do it for the accolades, but I do love when, when my clients find that thing, whatever it is they were looking for, uh, and they can step into it and be, uh, be comfortable, uh, using their voice, speaking their truth, listening actively. Um, just, yeah. Did I answer that? I feel like I went on this ramble. <laughs> uh, no, you did. You did, Gladine. Uh, you know, I'm um, super curious, you know, because you you teach a lot of people all these principles, but then also how do you deal with those days where, you know, you're not able to like, you know, be 100% yourself or like you've kind of faced some level of adversity yourself. Like how do you also self-motivate? Because I think that's another piece that a lot of people have difficulty doing, right? It's like the moments, you know, when they're in momentum uh, states, they can move forward. But then when they get kind of thrown off, um, being able to recalibrate is pretty difficult. So how do you, you know, how do you do that personally and how do you help others um, get out of those, those states as well? Um, that's a great question because I am dealing with that right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I met my birth family last year. My birth mother passed, but my birth father is still living and we started off great. And then in November of last year, December of last year, he said, I'm going to call you on Christmas. This is gonna, this is not dumb. This is I don't even let me I'm sorry. I don't even want to qualify what I am about to say. He said I'm going to call you on Christmas and I literally waited by the phone for him to call me and he didn't. He sent me a text message and I didn't realize at the time that it hurt because I'd been you know, 54 years not having to deal with worrying about a father to disappoint me. And then, you know, in in less than a year, (laughs) I'm sitting by the phone waiting for him to call me. And um, I soothed myself with food. Now, the difference is I used to soothe myself with alcohol. And I realized that 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 was not helping me because that wasn't allowing me to recognize that something was going on, that I'd been triggered and this was my coping mechanism. Um, so I, I think one of the most important things that we can do is first allow ourselves to feel. Sometimes we don't know what we're feeling, right? It took me three months to, to really understand that I was eating comfort food because I needed comforting. And I had to ask myself, what do you need comforting from? Where is this coming from? And when we get quiet, the answers will come to us. And I made my I made myself just sit still, not meditate or anything like that, because some people here meditate and their brain shut down. Sometimes you just need to be still. And so I asked myself, what are you comforting yourself from? And my father came through clearly. I thought that 
I thought it was because the last time I saw him, which was in early December, um, he said, I love you. And I said, I love you back. Uh, I think I love you is a hard thing for people, a scary thing for people. And I don't understand why. Like unconditional love is the most beautiful thing. And it's our, it's our birthright, right? We should be able to give each other unconditional love. You should be able to say to someone, I love you. And if they say it back, you shouldn't go running for the hills. Or if they don't say it back, you shouldn't have some expectation that they should say it back because you loving someone in the moment doesn't mean they have to say it or, or feel that way. So I said it back because I felt it. And I don't know, I, I had told myself that that scared him and that's why he disappeared on me. Um, Oh, because that's the other part. He said it. He said, uh, I love you. And then he sent me that text message on Christmas. And then I never heard from him again. Uh, I sent him a text in March, which was when I had this conversation with myself, just to check in and say, you know, I hadn't heard from you. Are you okay? And he said he was dealing with something. And I said, okay, because I had made a promise to myself that I was not going to be more invested than he was. Like, my sole purpose for wanting to meet him in the first place was to just say thank you. So anything I, anything that I got after that would have been a bonus. I got to say thank you. So I knew that at that point, I'm not going to reach out again. And I have still not heard from him. Um, so it took me six months of kind of slowly working through how all of that made me feel. And I continued to eat. <laughs> not, not, in a bad way, there were there were periods of time where I was um, cooking healthy and, and taking care of myself that way. But I think that we need to give ourselves grace. Like, we are not perfect. We are perfectly imperfect. I love to say that. We are perfectly imperfect by design. And so, you know, as long as you don't spend 10 years stuck in the same place, you need to give yourself time. And I wasn't 100% focused on him because I also needed to feed myself. So I was split between dealing with my emotions regarding him and having to function. Uh, On days where I couldn't function, I canceled my calls because I don't want to ever coach someone or do a workshop with someone if I am not 100% fully present. Now, if I have to teach a workshop and it's scheduled, obviously I can't um, cancel it. But in those cases where I have to function when I am not 100% fully on, then I set my intention before walking into that space or getting in front of that camera, in front of the Zoom camera, I set my intention that I am going to be fully present. I'm going to let go of whatever emotional baggage I'm I'm holding, uh, whatever feelings that I'm having. I am leaving them here in this moment, and I will return to them when this workshop is done. And, and then I set what I want the uh, workshop participants to get out of this and how I'm going to best serve them. And then I'm all in. And if that workshop is an hour, if it's half a day, whatever it is, I am fully present. And if the thoughts come up to me, I have to let them go. I recognize them. Okay, I'm feeling that right now. Or somebody might say something and I get triggered. I'm like, okay, I heard that. So in those moments, I do have to be, um, I do have to do more listening than I do talking, Mm, right? Because Mm -hmm. I have to be present. And in order to be present, I think sometimes we aren't present when we're always talking. Right, right. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. So Claudine, what has surprised you the most on this journey? 
the most <laughs> the most surprising thing um is how people react when you don't fight back. So be- before I got on this journey, um, and I'm calling it my, well, I'm not calling it, it is my life purpose and the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, and I've been in this space for the last two years. So the me that people experience now isn't the me that they maybe experienced some years ago where, again, I needed to be right or I needed to make them wrong in some way. Um, now, because I'm giving people room to speak, like to say their piece, I'm surprised how 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 much less drama I have to deal with, especially with the people in my life. Um, I find it interesting, like family is the first one to let you know that you really haven't grown as much as you think you have <laughs> because they want to continue experiencing that old version of you. And I know that this version of me makes people uncomfortable because I'm not, I'm not interested in, um, again, making you wrong. I am very interested in how I'm showing up for people where I used to be selfish and, um, self-centered and, you know, I did more talking than I did listening. They don't get that version of me, so they don't always know what to do with it. So I'm surprised how, um, how family responds to me. And I'm also surprised how much better my relationships are with people in, and I haven't worked on a job in a while, but, um, even when I'm, when I was working, the difference between how I was showing up for coworkers then versus how I would be showing up for them now um, is, is how people, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> it's, it's um, such a good question. Um, I guess, I guess the best succinct way to say it is I'm surprised at how much, more accessible people are to me because of the way I show up and how much more accessible I am to them in return. I think Mm. that's the best way to say it. Mm, Amazing. Amazing. Uh, And Claudine, what do you want to tell our listeners as your main takeaway? All right. So here's, so (laughs) getting real again means speaking your truth having courage and being willing to be vulnerable. And it's not going to kill you to do any of those things individually or collectively, but it will transform your relationships. It will transform you, first of all. And I think that when we are able to really see ourselves and accept what we see, it makes a difference in how we show up in the world. And we are we become more caring about other people and how we affect them. And that's that's our divine purpose for being on this planet. So I think that uh I think that more of us should step into that space um of getting real. So actively practice um actively practice every day. And it'll get a lot easier. Amazing. And where can people find you, Glodine? 
People can find me at, well, my email is the easy, easier way to get me, which is love at glodeenchampion.com. Or you can go to my website. And um, if you want to learn a little bit more about me at glodeenchampion.com. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thank you so much for your time, Glodine. This was so, so, so lovely. My pleasure. <laughs> it's been great being here. Thank you so much, Yasmin. Thank you. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. <laughs>